Hey everybody, welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, looking for my good friend, Seth Robinson. Seth. Hey, hey. Happy hey, New Year. Happy New Year to you. Happy yeah. New Year. We're back. How how were your holidays? It was good. Nice and quiet, like I like them. So, how about you? Same. Yeah. Quiet. Some family in town, but otherwise, um, you know, pretty chill. I didn't host anything this year, which was um, a change up. I usually host on Christmas Eve. Didn't do that. Went to, out to dinner instead. So someone else got to serve and clean and take all the stuff away. So that was nice. And, you know, then uh, then a pretty chill time um, after the Christmas. Um, just kind of chilling, I guess, really. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice to have a break, but it's nice to see you again. Got lots planned for this upcoming year, so I'm pretty excited about that. Yep, yet another turn of the page here, right? Right. <laughs> right. We've 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 turned a lot of them together. <laughs> I, know, I was thinking about that. Yeah, there's been quite a few um, New Years that we've rung in here with um, with Volley. So uh, yeah. hopefully, um, we've got a good one. Hopefully, we start good and we end well. Um, Twelve months from now, when we're still talking. So yeah, yeah right. That'd be that, that would be ideal. So ideal. Yes. We uh, we ended last year talking about our new outlook report and the different trends that we're expecting to see happen uh, in yeah. the IT channel and the IT industry and the IT workforce. And we thought we'd kick off this year by talking a little bit about the environment where we're expecting those trends to happen because all of those trends are pretty specific. Uh, there are specific technologies or specific actions that, that we're expecting to see, but there's a overall climate that businesses are operating in where they're going to be making decisions about artificial intelligence or channel firms are going to be trying to build their marketing strategy based on how they feel about the current uh, world that they're living in. So I think mm -hmm. that's what we were going to cover a little bit of today as we kick off 2024. Yeah, um, it's always important. You kind of get lost in the weeds sometimes. You know, you're talking about the specifics of whether you're going to implement AI or whether, you know, what's our cybersecurity strategy for the upcoming year. And sometimes you forget about um, some of the big picture, um, you know, temperature that you should be taking um, and, and the things that could be going on. And, you know, it's hard to do a lot of prognostication and figure out, oh, the world will be doing X. And so therefore I can place my bets here. Um, so there's some guesswork that goes along with it. But um, you know, I think we can get a, a relatively good picture right now of what the business climate may look like uh, for um, technology, technology decision making, technology careers. Um, it's been, I would say, a very uncertain time for the last since COVID hit. Right. And I think we talked about this in our last volley that we kind of feel like for the first year ever or the end of last year, we kind of can actually say with some certitude that we're in a post-pandemic era, we're entering a post-pandemic phase. Um, so what does that look like? Um, but I think, you know, th that was a huge dust up that left us with some uncertainty. And one of the biggest uncertainties is where the economy was going to go left, right, center, underground, above ground. And I think surprisingly, and much to, I think at least my, my great, um, a great joy is, you know, it looks like we're seeing some resiliency with the economy after a time of really like astronomical gas prices, inflation, um, you know, through the roof, interest rates gone up because of all of the tinkering that the Fed did to try to get the economy under control. I think we're seeing some um, evidence now of a softer landing with some of those economic data points looking good and trending in the right direction. Inflation has been coming down. Um, as a result, we're seeing some interest rates 
settle down. Nothing to pre-COVID levels, and we can talk about that. We may be entering a new normal where nothing is going to be the way it used to be, but it's better than it was. And, you know, what does that mean for business? That may be at least starting 2024 on a more optimistic footing. Yeah, I, I think that there is a lot of good news in the economy, and I think it is feeling a lot better than people would have predicted 12 months ago or maybe 18 months ago. Yeah. I think there's still some uncertainty in there. Like, I feel like whenever I hear people talking about the economy, they're trying to say, why did the economy behave this way when we've never seen it behave that way before? Like, what's different? And I think there are a lot of things different, like more of a services economy, definitely a lot more reliance on technology, uh, different firms that are leading the way, you know, in terms of driving economic uh, power and and hiring and workforce issues. And and so I think that those questions about like, you know, our, our old models don't work, that gives me a little bit of pause moving forward. And it probably gives a lot of businesses a lot, a little bit of pause too. Uh, and I think as we know, you know, the economy is kind of a function of not only what's happening, but how people feel about what's happening. Oh, yeah. I think we see that in an individual or a household level. And I have to assume that we're going to see it at a business level too. Like you said, we're not going to go back to those pre-COVID zero interest rate days. Mm -hmm. um, and so the question becomes, where exactly do we settle and how do companies balance their investments? And, and I think the good news is that they should be able to keep making those investments. I, I think they're hopefully a little less fearful that some humongous crash is on the way, but there's always the risk of that too. Hopefully though, they they take some optimism on, uh, they, they keep some investments going and and we're able to, to kind of see, like you said, that continued slow move back to something that's stable, even if it's not quite like it was in 2019. Yeah, I think you hit on it when you said, you know, some of this is, is psychological right um and and that's one of the big things that you have to beat i mean people if you look you know if you read you know some economists and they'll go through point bullet point by bullet point various indicators that um tell you how the economy is doing and a lot of them are good at this point and yet you can go out and do a man on the street interview um of people who will you know talk about you know the price of eggs or this or that and and, and to them their reality um, looks different than those those you know those da data points that are out there, and it's um, I think for businesses they have to try to um, uh, bridge the gap between whatever psychological hangup might be going on in 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 an individual situation and and the greater economy and figure out where the most com where their comfort zone might be for new investments, for hiring, for diving into innovation in some way with some sort of new project or new technology that they're going to introduce. And I don't know that that dance is real, is necessarily new, but I, I think it's highly, it's more emphasized right now, for sure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think the next part of the business climate that, that factors into what businesses are going to be facing in 2024 ties into what you're talking about there, where they're going to be making these investments, yeah. I, I think obviously companies are going to want to continue investing in technology, but the the notion of digital transformation maybe took a little bit of hit at the end of 2023, where we saw several large services and consulting firms make some cutbacks, yeah. stating a lot of the things that we had seen from the, the big technology vendors at the beginning of the year saying, we're making some corrections, we over hired in certain areas during the pandemic, or maybe immediately following the pandemic. And I think for me, seeing that it all ties into 
the, the thread that I've been talking about with digital transformation or modern enterprise technology, and that's how complex it all is, it's not as simple as just making a capital purchase and then going and standing up that hardware or that application and having a new piece in your arsenal. All of these things have to work together now. And I, I think the realization that all of these components are working in concert is maybe creating a bit of a pause there where you know companies realize they can't go full force into this world of intense complexity because they're not equipped uh, from a workflow perspective or employee behavior or maybe skills, which we'll talk about more. Uh, and, and I think that the nature of that complexity is maybe causing people to reevaluate a little bit. And so I think we're still going to see a lot of technology investments, but in terms of tying all of those things together and really achieving some of the promise that comes from digital transformation, it does feel like there's going to be a little bit of tapping the brakes there. Yeah, when I think about the continuum of digital transformation, I, I like to think of the an analogy to learning a new language. Um, you know, often it's quite easy to pick up basic conversation, uh, how to order in a restaurant, how to find your way, doing touristy type things. And you can pick that up really quickly and think, okay, I get the hang of this. And then as you move into the, the complexities, the idioms, writing, you know, having a conversation with a native speaker, all of those things you along the way, you realize, um, wow, I, there's actually a lot more to this than, um, than, than the basics that I first put into place. And it does cause you to slow down in, in some regards, unless you're going to go and do full immersion and there'll be some companies that do that. Um, so I think much like we saw with the, um, the, the cloud transformation um, of 15 plus years ago or so, which started out as, um, kind of a rush out of the gate for some companies who then, you know, a, a year or so into it realized that it was, there were a lot of um, unforeseen things that they had, you know, they had not recognized that would, would need to be, take place for them to really kind of fully realize the cloud evolution that they were trying to do. Um, so they took a step back or a couple steps back. And I think similarly, we'll see that with digital transformation and, and all of its forms. You know, that's one of those giant umbrella terms, which we've talked about quite a bit that, you know, need some definition and maybe they can't be defined as one thing, but it's many definitions depending on the company. Um, but I think this is maybe that reality check year of, uh, of, of how difficult and complex all the moving parts are to fully achieving this quote unquote, you know, nirvana or whatever it is of digitally transforming your company. And I, I think, too, that what you said about cloud, we've seen it happen a few different times with cloud or with big data. Yeah. I think even with artificial intelligence now, where part of the complexity is that these things are layered. And yes. it's not like you can just do big data if you haven't been managing your data pretty well to begin with. It's not like you can just plug in artificial intelligence if you don't have a solid understanding of your workflow and the pieces that you want to automate or the pieces where you want to you know, get some kind of insights that artificial intelligence might bring. Uh, so I, I think that that layered notion is something that a lot of companies are grappling with. To me, this goes back to the shift that we've talked about many times between tactical IT and strategic IT. Mm -hmm. And we had our colleague, James Stanger on last year talking about um, technical debt that companies accrue as they're trying to make technical decisions yeah. without understanding all of the components. And I just feel like so many 
adoption behaviors and practices that I see tied back to this struggle with shifting from a tactical mindset where you're viewing IT as a cost center and it's mostly a supporting function to viewing it as something strategic and recognizing the investments that you have to make and recognizing the coordination and the organizational structure that you have to have for all of the pieces to work together. Yeah, it, I mean, the layered approach is complicated. And I think we could get t-shirts that say something like it's about the infrastructure, stupid or something like that. But you really have to have and a lot of companies don't the foundational elements of um, of an architecture or a tech environment for you to start of, to pursue some of these loftier goals that you have with newer technologies and, and applications that would sit on top. And a lot of companies you know, and people in the trenches need to realize that before they can, you know, get to the the end goal there. And, you know, one of the big pieces of that is not just the technology itself, but, um, but the other big part is having people, you know, moving along this tactical and strategic course with you um, and making sure they have the right skills, which is another, you know, thing that we wanted to talk about in terms of thinking about the business environment and the climate for next year is none of this that we talk about matters if, we aren't moving, you know, we aren't considering how um, the people who work for our companies and whom we hire to use the technology and to manage the technology are moving along that same continuum with us. Mm -hmm. yeah, it certainly feels like the skills gap is going to continue throughout this year yeah. and companies are going to have to come to terms with how they're addressing that skills gap and which skills they're looking for. So, We've talked about skills-based hiring, skills-based career development that requires kind of an understanding and a building of a library of skills. I think that will have to continue. And I think companies will also continue pursuing training programs to either upskill their employees uh, or maybe shift them around a little bit. And thinking about how companies might approach their training programs makes me think again back to artificial intelligence and all of these questions that come up about how is this going to change the workforce and so you know if i'm thinking that on the one hand we say that artificial intelligence is possibly going to eliminate certain jobs or eliminate certain tasks and on the other hand we're saying that companies are somewhat short-staffed and there are certain skills that they need and they can't even find those skills on the open market then the answer is kind of right there for them that they've got the people they just need to retrain them and I think long term, if they can kind of figure out these training programs and if they can build a culture of flexibility among their workforce, obviously you can't just take anyone in one role and within three weeks you put them through some kind of a boot camp and they're sitting in another role. But I, I can imagine a lot more flexibility in a workforce that if you're a small, medium sized company, let's just say to pick a random number, you've got 100 people. And if technology starts changing the jobs of like 20 of those people, then you can redeploy them somewhere else where they're needed. And you have to have the patience to, to do that, but you also have the programs in place to be able to do that. Um, so I, I think that that is going to be something that companies are looking at a lot more this year and hopefully leads us to a place where, you know, workers understand the skills they need to build and, and how they can fit into new roles based on where they're coming from. Yeah. And, you know, the one, you know, potential downside there is that that is no small task. And I think companies, um, again, to get it back to the economy and how companies are feeling about their business and, um, you know, the, the types of risks and investments they're willing to take, uh, it's going to be expensive to retrain 
um, and upskill um, people um, in this new work environment with these new technologies. And that's something that hopefully, you know, the people with the purse strings and the people making strategic decisions understand, but they may be making those monetary decisions in the context of the greater economy to bring us back to, you know, the business climate going on here. Um, uh, but, you know, it's certainly something that is going to have to take place because, like I said, you can implement all of the or attempt to implement all of the newer technology and automation and whatever it is that you want to digitally transform. But unless the people are brought up to speed with you and you have the skills to provide the ongoing um, running and management of, of those technologies, you're, you're kind of nowhere. Um, so I think there's going to have to be sort of more risk taking um, in the face of, of an economy that can't give you a firm answer that whether it's going to be yes up and, or yes down, you're going to have to kind of um, bet a little bit on your business. And I guess that's always the case um, with, with, with trying to improve and grow um, within your business and organization. And, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to think about how the IT channel or firms that are providing technology services might fit into this. Like as we've talked through these last two elements of the business climate, the digital transformation and the complexity and then the skills that are needed, you know, it seems like there's definitely going to be opportunity for third party firms to step in and help with this. And it feels like it could take a couple different pathways where, you know, for one, maybe a company is still providing a lot of the same services that they've been providing before, but they really need to understand how that fits in the bigger picture. It can't just be, here's our one thing, you know, we come in and plop it and drop it and then we're, we're done, right? And, and then we walk out and you kind of got to figure out how to tie it all together. Um, or the other pathway could be changing your own skills, right? And trying to figure out what new products or technologies or services could be offered to companies that are looking to close these skills gaps? Yeah, I think, you know, um, I view this, uh, the, the potential for the channel in these times of great change and complexity to be, um, you know, kind of wide open. Um, and, 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 and I look at it on, on as a positive. There, there are lots of companies that are going to be struggling with how to do X, Y, and Z, and they may have some internal skills that they're able to accomplish X, but then Y they don't really know how to do and, and Z they don't know how to do. And that is a good op opportunity for channel firms to, um, to provide their own services. And I think to your point, I see it that there'll be really two lanes. I think there's going to be a lane of, of channel firms that still um, provide a lot of that foundational infrastructure and there will be opportunity for them because to your point earlier, to build the new stuff, you need the old, you need a good foundation and in order to do that. And I and I see a lot of our, you know, especially our smaller channel um, ecosystem players um, living in that realm. And then there are those who are going to really, you know, kind of go for it all. And they're going to up their skills just the way that some, you know, IT pros are going to be upping their skills in order to venture into some of these newer areas that touch upon all the things we're trying to do around digital transformation. And, and those services are going to be lucrative and, and they will be in demand. And I think there's room for both of those lanes um, going forward. And, and I, and I, I kind of see it like, hopefully I'm right. I think I see a, a pretty positive environment for services firms, especially at that tactical level that we deal with for a lot of our membership and, and, and most of the majority of the channel out there for 2024 and beyond. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've talked a lot about this being an ecosystem that it's changed yeah. so much from just a linear distribution model 
that it was for so many years and that, that I think still provided a lot of the foundation for some of the services that a lot of companies began offering. But I, I think it's turning into something that's a lot more multifaceted um, and and not every firm has to become another type of firm, right? That's a theme that I know you've talked about a lot, yeah. but there's room for lots of different types of firms. And the big question is how do they all fit together? How do they all serve a client's needs? And I think we'll have even more opportunity to uh, explore that in the coming year. Yeah, I think, I think one of the big pieces of the business climate, but you had mentioned kind of a fun bonus one that you think that business events and conferences, those types of things um, are going to continue changing, that that's, that's something that probably hasn't found its equilibrium after the pandemic because everyone was so anxious to get together and it felt like a lot of those events were kind of back to the way they were, but now there might be kind of some second order effects playing in and, and there might be a little bit more tale to be told on these conferences. Yeah, I mean, anecdotally, what I'm hearing, and I'm seeing this too, is yes, post-pandemic, people could not wait to get back out and travel, get the events going again. There was just a fire hose of, of events that that began almost immediately as soon as we all got the up and up that we could get on planes and we could congregate again. Um, and that was great. I think it was needed. It was a really strange period of time where nobody was getting together in person. What has been happening, I've noticed in the last year, though, is there are... Um, there's a plethora of events. There's, it's almost, there are too many small ones, medium sized ones and large ones. Many of them are overlapping um, and many of them are repetitive. And, you know, some of the channel events that are out there, you're getting the same information over and over again. And again, back to the economy and your purse strings, this can be costly for attendees. So now attendees are kind of in a, in a situation where they have to make decisions about which events they're going to attend. Some of them overlap, so they have to really make a decision. I'm going to skip this one, go to this one. There are larger companies that I'm seeing that normally would send a mini army to some of the larger events. They'll send 50 staff to some technical people, some sales and marketing people. They're cutting back. So they still have presence, but they may only be sending 10 instead of 50 or 20 instead of 50. And I think that's still shaking out. And then the nature of events, I think, is going to shake out where um, we may be seeing less of the generalist large events and more of the smaller tactical events. And I've heard that talked about for years that that was the way it was going to go. I think we may see that actually come to fruition this year because of this need to differentiate. So and and also the need to be a little more regional so that people can afford to go. So I, I, I you know, we'll see. I'm uh, prognosticating, but I'm making, I think, a semi-educated guess based on folks I've spoken to that uh, I think that the, the business event climate is going to be a little bit different this year. So, mm. well, we'll have our own events to uh, to be a bit of a test vehicle for those. Yeah, uh, first that. one that's coming up is our communities and councils forum uh, in March here in Chicago. You and I are going to be back yes. on stage together. So yeah, can't wait. Yeah, so it'll be very great to see you, and we'll kind of see what the vibe of the event is and see if it's giving us some a little bit more information about the direction that people want to go and and what kind of value they're getting out of these get-togethers. Yeah. Uh, it'll, I'll be eager to see. So looking forward to seeing you then. And then I think we would be remiss to not mention it is an election year for a president. So you never know what could happen um, in terms of how that might change the economic climate and business climate or anything else. So stay tuned. Anything could happen here for sure.
All right. Well, yeah, I am definitely looking forward to seeing you on stage at CCF. I'm looking forward to continuing another great year of Bali with you. Thanks, as always, to our producer, Andy McMillan, back for another year with the two of us. And Carolyn, I will see you in a couple weeks on the next episode. All righty. 